0: Welcome to Navigating Life with Coach Low Podcast. I am so excited to have my girls on with me today. We are Chi-Town sisters in the building. Hey! Hey! I know, right? So I'm so excited uh, for your yes. Thank you for agreeing to be my guest. I have Lynn Turner. Um, in the blue jean jacket with the love earrings draping all down and then right here below in front of me I have um, Yolanda Carter the one I witnessed. I see you baby with them pink polka dots on you doing it big baby <laughs> <laughs> so these are my girls I just I love it I have a good time um, it is not a great topic. But it is one that is very, very real to our community. It is one that is very, very real to these two particular ladies um, and they mean a lot to me and so I'm so grateful that you have taken out the time to um, to just be here with me today. I am going to ask uh, Lynn if she would share um what what are you doing? Who is Lynn? Where are you from? What's happening in your world, girl? Share your stuff. Can't hear I you. Now. So I'm Lynn Turner.
1: And I, can you hear me? Yeah. You guys got me? Yeah. Awesome. I'm from the south side of Chicago, as you said before. Um, I'm south side of the, woohoo for the low end, low end, low end. Yay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, born in, born in Chicago, pretty much raised in the Bronzeville and um, I'm a hairstylist uh, with a and a. I'm 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 also an actress. So now I I do a little bit of everything, a little bit of comedy, a little bit of everything. So I I got my hands in a whole lot of stuff. But mainly I've been doing hair for a lot of years, a lot of years here in Chicago. So that's mainly what I'm doing right now. And right now I'm I'm um, currently in the. And about to make some different moves and about to move around a little bit, so that's that's what I'm working on right now, yes, definitely, so all right, I am I'm a mom, I have one daughter. I was blessed with one daughter, and gosh, that is the love of my life absolutely <laughs> oh oh and, 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 and single. I just thought I throw that out there,
0: yeah, it's good. Awesome. Awesome. So that is Lynn Turner. And uh, next we have Yolanda Carter. Please unmute your, um, your mic and share with us what's going on in your world, sis. You know, we know you from the chat town. So what's going on? (laughs) Yes. Hello, everybody. What?
2: Thank you for the opportunity, Lolita, for being on your platform today. I am Yolanda Carter, Chicago Nato, born and raised. I am thriving. I have been in um, so so many uh, situations in my life where I knew that it's the time to turn it around. But I was uh, just, um, I was a hairstylist myself. Um, in the eighties, well, actually the nineties, I was a hairstylist. i did hair for like 20 something years. Um, then after becoming a hairstylist, I decided that I wanted to work, work with people because I I have the love for people. So I ended up working, um, transporting, um, clients to, uh, different, um, you know, facilities so they can get help and everything. And then I became a, um, live in, not a, um, um someone that takes care of clients and making sure that I feed them, cook for them and, and bathe them and I did a lot of things in my lifetime. I just um I was I have five children of course uh, I have nine grandchildren and one on the way. Uh, I am very <laughs> bubbly I love life and um, you know right now it's just about, self-love self-care and and just getting to your next level because your your right now does not have to be forever you can make whatever you can thrive you can do whatever you want to you just have to put your mind to it and i knew that god allowed me to have purpose in my life sometimes we don't know what our purpose is until something has to happen but we're gonna get to that in a little bit, but that's just a little bit of me. I am a a 53-year-old woman just finding my way.
0: Well, thank you, thank you, thank you, and you're doing a great job at it, so thank you to both of you. Um, I am so proud of the both of you and happy that uh, we get to share this time together and encourage people around us because one, the, the topic that we are covering um, is domestic violence and both of you have had your own personal encounters um, in that lifestyle and so I just wanted to pause and I'm going to, I'm going to start with Yolanda this time and I just want you to share with the audience how do you define domestic violence in your own words? Okay, well,
2: in my own words, domestic violence has uh, not only been something that was physical. I myself growing up i I never experienced any domestic violence um in the household watching it growing up or anything to that nature, but because I was a victim of it, I thought just being domestic viol, a uh, domestic violence victim was just being physically a touch. Someone's blacking your eye, punching you, kicking you, shoving you, and all that. But I come to be educated enough to realize that domestic violence is not just physical. It's a cycle of abuse. It's mental, emotional, verbal, psychological, financial, and a cycle of violence. It's not just someone's just punching on you. It makes you walk on eggshells and belittles you make you feel worthless you ashamed and you don't want to tell nobody because of the fact that people are always judging you so domestic violence is just a cycle of abuse not just being and, and it's not just for intimate partner it's uh, a woman man child can be victims of domestic violence so yeah that is my determine. that is my terminology of what domestic violence is because I was uneducated, and the, like they say, knowledge is power. If you don't know, you're just thinking that domestic violence is just
0: someone putting their hands on you. Okay. So Thank domestic you. Okay. violence, it goes okay. a long way. Thank you for sharing. And Lynn, if you could just um, share in your own words what it means to you. I, I To piggyback off of some of what Yolanda was saying, um
1: yeah, it's just I I didn't grow up in a a violent household, so I was I just didn't know exactly what that de- the details or entailed or anything like that. Um, you you when you think of domestic violence, as you say, you think of a physical thing and you think of the the mental, the psychological. Um, but then you think of domestic and domestic domestic household, domestic anything, it's like, what does the word domestic mean? And when you're able to break that down and dissect that, then you realize that sometimes you've grown up in a domestically violent household and not realizing it. So I think it's more of being able to just educate now what I know to be able to educate others of exactly what that means because I hear so many especially by me being a hairstylist. I hear so many young ladies say that I wasn't in an abusive relationship. My parents were, I was just in the house, but my mom, my dad beat up my mom, but never do nothing to me. So I I wasn't abused. I wasn't domestically abused. And you don't realize that yeah, you're, you are a part of everything that's under that umbrella or I have young ladies say, I'm fighting back, so I ain't in no domestic violence, because I'm, Mm -hmm. excuse me, I'm whooping his ass too, he ain't just beating on me, so Mm -hmm. yes, darling, you are in a domestic violence situation, so what it means is being able to break it down and help other people to understand, it means that there's something going on in your life that shouldn't be, that's not, I would say that's not normal, but a lot of it is our normal. But it's something going on in your life that shouldn't be acceptable. That just shouldn't, you should not have to accept that type of situation, attitude, dilemma, or anything because it's not healthy. So anything that's not healthy in your relationship is something that could be violent to you, your child, or whatever it is. Potentially there's a domestic issue. So how do we tap into it? When, it's, when we talk about domestic violence, we want to talk about everything that's under the umbrella of domestic abuse. Mm-hmm. Because there's so much abuse going on everywhere and you, we don't recognize the signs. So my purpose is to be able to help you recognize the signs.
0: Definitely. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... so That is good. Thank you so much. I I like, I mean, both of you, you, you really gave some insight to what domestic violence can look like. You painted that picture very well, the both of you. And I just want to say thank you for that because Um, people don't always think about you're taking my money and you taking my money is hindering me. You are gaining control over Mm -hmm. my person. Um, you are stopping Mm -hmm. me from doing what it is that I need to do. Um, you talked about Lynn, how when a parent is going through domestic violence, of course, the children are experiencing a lot of that, and even though a lot of what is happening around them is, in is, I'm going to use the term, infecting them internally, they don't know it in the moment. They don't know that it is a, um, it is a preview of what is possible for their relationships moving forward, because we oftentimes learn from right. what we see. You know, and so it is hard for us to separate from that. So, um, so it, it that that was just interesting. Yeah, I, I re-
1: no, i was just pretty much saying what you're saying, and yeah, as a child is um, it's setting up, it's setting you up for your future. You you have to think about it. In a household, we're taught, or as parents or whatever we want to set our children up for their future so they can be better than us that's what we want to do that's the ideal thing but when you're setting when you're in a violent situation you're also setting your children up for what their future like you just said possibly look like Mm. because now this has become their norm now they think this is how households are supposed to be. This is normal. It's normal for daddy to slap mommy around and say, oh, it's normal for mommy to disrespect dad and call him all types of names and everything else like that. It's normal for, it's, it's normal. So now that I'm seeing that it's okay for dad to talk to mom like this, hell I can talk to mom like this and I can talk to any other woman like this because what's she going to do?
0: right yeah
1: I, I I have to shut up i i need to shut her up or in the female situation the female situation or aspect from the the, the the their point of view actually is what i'm saying now i i can talk to this guy like i can disrespect him into like this what are he gonna do i mean he it is what it is i can talk to him like this he ain't gonna do nothing to me
0: yeah
1: and that's so it goes both ways right. it goes I'm both well, fortunately right. we're we set our households up like this because we don't know any better.
2: Right. So guess, uh, domestic violence is not only just a one-sided thing. It's a form of power and control. Mm-hmm. And once someone gains your power, you become powerless. And you are subjects to to anything and allowing anything to happen in that relationship or to you. But we have to make better choices on how we allow people to treat us. And we are responsible for our own safety. Mm -hmm. And if we can't be responsible for our own safety, how can we expect for someone else to be responsible to be there and treat us with dignity and respect? so I think that it goes both ways and hurt people hurts people okay. and when you're hurting and you never know knew any other way to be treating or treating you watched this growing up so many years and it became learned behaviors so once it's learned behaviors that means that oh I've watched this growing up this is like you said Lynn this is become your normal and these are normal things that we all look at because that's all we know that's all we accustomed to a person that have never been loved before can't give love if you can't have never ever receive you can't recipiate something precipitate something if you have never really even gotten it yourself so i just wanted to tell people that it's okay to go through something but what are you gonna do are you gonna stay in it or are you gonna grow I go go through it and go through it you know what I'm saying because it's a it's a it's a way that we have to learn how to motivate ourselves to get to that next level I knew that a lot of things that we go through in life we learned it by just watching paying attention to what we see. I know people I've sat on the panel with, they tell me that I don't, I I can't love a good guy because he's too nice. If he's not abusing me, that's not love. So some people think that if you're abusing them, that's called love. That's not love. So it's important for us to make sure that we are to what really love look like. How we allow people to treat us and how we're gonna, but you know, specifically, like I say, hurt people. people. So if you hurt you ain't gonna do nothing but hurt the next person,
0: right? Yeah. So, so yeah. this is so this question goes to the both of you. So, when you think about the relationships that you encountered that were Um, domestic, that were violent in nature, is what I'll call it, that were violent in nature. How old were you when this uh, behavior was introduced into your relationship with your significant other?
2: Well, let me go first, or you go first, again?
0: No, go ahead. Okay, well,
2: um, my first encounter of what they call Lover's Core, because back then it was not domestic violence. It was not called that. I want to say I was like 18 or 19 years old. I had my, my children's father. He was the first person that started physically abusing me. Because I was younger, he was older than I was. I didn't really know and understand what was really going on, because this has never been something that I've ever watched before. And I never seen my parents even argue before. So all this was like foreign to me. And when it started happening to me, it was something like, oh my God, what am I? I get, what have I gotten myself into? And then the the um, the um pulling the hair out by the roots, the taking my money, twisting my arm, almost breaking my arm, you know, making me get out the car, walking, you know, putting me out the car, not allowing me to even go down, up and down the stairs where my family lives not even being able to look out the window thinking that he thinking that somebody I knew this person that was in the next car um not just being able to take my kids when I had my my baby girl he was like he was the mama and you know you have your baby and my my daughter was already like uh she was five pounds something then she had jaundice so she couldn't come home with me so when she was able to come home he wanted to be the mother and he wouldn't even allow me to even take the baby pick the baby up feed the baby or none of that so that was very hard for me but i still stayed because i didn't know what i was doing i was ashamed to tell anybody i was embarrassed so i didn't really know what to do so i stayed and i allowed myself to suffer to make you know to for him i had these two kids by him and i tried to leave but he found me and brought us back and you know my children was like two one and two one or whatever and my daughter said she remember him walking down the alley with them taking him away from me and stuff like that so these children A lot of your kids, when they see this stuff, they watch it and say, you know what, we can remember it, but I'm so glad that I'm out of it. So from relationship to relationship on down the line, I never thought that I was ever experiencing any any domestic violence. Um, Come to find out, after being educated, every relationship that I went from was domestic abuse relationship. It was not all physical. There was, uh, you know, some physical going on with a few of them, but it was not consistent. And it was enough for me to like, oh, that's nothing. I'm not going through this. So uh, as I kept going through relationship, it was more so like a mental, verbal, emotional. I even had a mini stroke because of the stress and and what people like, they always say, I'm not who you say. I am. You know, I am more what you said, but because of you having maybe low self-esteem and not thinking that, you know, you're worthy of having a person in your life and you just fear of the unknown thinking that they're going to leave. You have these children and all that stuff. So you will suffer to make someone else happy. So as I'm, and I didn't know what I was doing, I'm just doing, just going through the motions and motions and just being with a man because I can and they were all good to me. They bought me All these nice good buy me cars, pay the car notes, you know, money. And like they always say, for the love of money is the root of all evil. So we sell ourselves out for the devil for the money. So after that, I would begotten in another relationship. And this was the relationship that just took the just uh just what they say broke the camel's back because this person that I thought was so charming, he was very charming, very charismatic. He was like the um, the knight in shining armor. I, I mean, when I, I met I, this wait, guy, he was wait, wait, wait. Was... <laughs> wait, wait, wait.
0: You giving up too much right now? <laughs> I need you to slow down because the question. Okay, okay. Was, okay. The question was in the beginning <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna skip you're gonna skip real real so oh the beginning the beginning okay. we gonna stick at the beginning right now so we heard about the beginning and so um okay. I, we're gonna pass the mic okay, to so lynn, was- and we're gonna let lynn share what her first experience with <laughs> domestic violence was like
2: okay but well, that was my first experience that was it
0: okay
1: <laughs> well uh you gotta catch it you gotta catch it you know, know. she'll 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 zoom off on you. <laughs> but um <clears throat> if I have to say my first experience was pretty much probably my, my last, my first and only really experience with that, like that. Um, and that was me uh, being introduced to my daughter's father.
0: Um,
1: so I, and that was my first experience with domestic violence. That was my first experience. Yes. Really knowing me because I was a, a, Put it this way: My dad used to always tell me, "You need to be a lawyer. You need to be a lawyer because you're gonna argue to the end (laughs) to try to prove your point. You are not gonna let nobody accuse you of nothing if you know you're right." And he used to tell me that all the time, "Princess, your mouth. You need to be a lawyer because I'm saying, Daddy, you know I just don't. That's not right. That's not fair. You're not gonna just so. I would have to say, and it's and it's a reason why I'm telling that story, that part of the story." But that was, my first encounter was with my daughter's father, actually. Yeah. And and I was about the same age, 19 years. So, yeah, that was, that was my first, first encounter. It was. Okay. And my last.
0: Your first Mm -hmm. and your last. And that's, that's really, really good news is that you had an encounter and you were not repetitive in in nature to the the same type of relationship because when we're talking about abuse abuse is Mm -hmm. abnormal Mm -hmm. use for which something was purposed for so we have always been purposed to love and to you know to evolve and to grow and develop into greatness it has never been for us to be misused by other people to be beat down, to be made to feel lesser than. And so, um, I when when I'm, when I'm thinking about this, I'm like, okay, what was it about these gentlemen that you said yes to, that you were interested in? What was it about their person that caused you to be attracted to them? Because I cannot imagine that you met them and they were slapping somebody or you you met them and they was punching somebody. That's usually not attractive. So when, what, what made you say yes to him first and then not only what made you say yes to him first, but when he, what was it that drew you in?
1: So I think with me, um, well, I, I know with me. Again, I was nineteen, so I was young and it just impressionable. Everything was just—I, I was in the midst of becoming, about to become a woman, a young lady. I'm nineteen. I'll be twenty-one real soon. You know. <laughs> then I have this older guy taking interest in like me, you know. And I, I, he was handsome, handsome, hands down. Five, what five? I mean, 6'3", you know, 225 pounds, nice, you know, beautiful caramel, caramel skin, and, you know, these pretty, beautiful, black, gorgeous, curly locks in his hair. He was just gorgeous. (laughs) So he, (laughs) he wooed and wooed me. You know, he was 19, and he's sending me roses and flowers and taking me out to eat and to dinner and, and my little cousin with me whoever wants to come so that's very impressionable to a 19 year old young lady who's trying to figure out not quite a woman but not a girl little girl anymore so i was impressed he was he was a charmer a master charmer and when you have someone like that when you don't know any better you you're innocent my wife was innocent acting, modeling, making my own money. I was on on my way to doing what I was passionate about, my dreams. So to have someone to come in, sh- to have the wolf come in in the sheep clothing, mm-hmm. and you're not aware of of this because that's not the life that you grew up in, then you don't know the all the telltale signs. You know the little stuff that we do, domestic violence, black eyes, busted lips, and things like that, the physical. You don't know the mental. So that's what drew me in. The fact that he was a master manipulator and a charmer. That and that's what drew me in. That, am, am I answering all the questions? You you get answered all of it? it? You answered it. Okay. And yeah. what about you? Yes, that's, that's 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 what it was. Okay.
2: Well, um, when I um uh, <laughs> my um my children's father drew me in. And how he drew me in was first of all, he was. I met him at a party, and he was tall, dark, (laughs) and had this like that's when Jerry Curls was in, (laughs) y'all. Jerry Curls was in, in. but for some reason, this guy he was tall, he had on the you know, when leather was in his leather suit. (laughs) he always dressed nice and he was uh you know in, he was a guitarist so so he would I mean and he could sing right? it's like man if you could sing or whatever you could just oh my god just just I just melt like butter okay so <laughs> I, I, I felt that man you know he was very, you know, very charming. He would always have this type of smile on his face and he was funny. So he would just make me feel special. And also he was he was much older than I was. He had a car. And I was and I was able to get a ride to school, you know, people my age. I'm like, I, I don't think I was really um hanging around people my age. I was always old, you know, hanging out old people. So yeah, for him to have a car and you know, take me where I needed to go and stuff like that. I didn't see down the down, you know, far what was gonna happen down there. I was just looking, living for right then. So yeah, so he was really like, you know, he wooed me too.
0: Okay, yeah. so so oh, yeah. it sounds like, real good. It sounds like you were both very young, you were a young lady um you were attracted to the mm-hmm. physical, so his image and his ability to do things for you were were the were the means of drawing you in and so, I want to just ask you um When, when you were drawn in and now the reality sets in and he strikes you for the first time, what did you do next? Whoa, that
2: was like unexpected. It was really unexpected because I didn't think that I could have ever done anything to nobody to be striked any type of way. Um, I believe that the first time was, um, I think we went somewhere and I think that I was looking in the next car or something and, you know, all of a sudden he was like Dr. Jekyll Hyde and Hyde and he just, you know, stole on me and I'm like, what, what's wrong? Oh but I was in shock so I didn't see nothing because I just didn't want it to happen again so I never said anything and he, I don't think even think I can remember if he even apologized I think that anytime that uh, the abuse you know came it was always no sorry I apologize it, it was just always that we just going to start off like never happened the next day or he would force you know, sex on me, you know, how do you want to have sex with somebody after they abuse you? But, you know, some men, they feel like that's their way of apologizing. So I guess that was his way of apologizing. And I was feeling so angry with myself. So that
0: was, you know, that was the first encounter of that in my book, you know. So Yolanda, so you're saying that you were shocked and there really wasn't a response. You just kind of took it in and uh, for fear of what could happen next at his hands. So, yeah, and I I could only imagine um, that that is rather shocking. So I I could only imagine. Um, And then I will go further to say What, what made you stay at that point? Did you have your children at this point once the abuse started? The first, yeah, the first time
2: he ever hit me was after the children were born. That was the first time because before, you know, before they were born, we was just having a good time. You know, I was in hair school, so I didn't have time. I would cook and, you know, he was staying with me. And uh, it was all gr- it was all good. It wasn't nothing that I was no red flag. Maybe I seen the red flag, but I didn't know what they were, cause he was a ladies' man, first of all. He was truly a ladies man and he had a lot of females that was around and would call him and stuff and that was kind of question mark that was a question mark for me too but he was all you know first of all you know back then they were doing livery cabs so he was a cab driver and then he did music and he did a lot of stuff so he would always have an excuse for why and plus, i'm young so i guess he felt that he didn't have to explain Ain't nothing to me all oh, you just a younger all oh, you know you just stay in your place because some men want you to stay in your place they do what they want to do but you can't do what you want to do yeah and so, so that one... was my experience with him
0: okay and... thank you yolanda and one of the things that i heard the both of you talk about was that both of these gentlemen were older than you i think that that is something that uh younger ladies need to be aware of why would you be attracted to someone so young is it so that you can have the ability to lord over them and uh manipulate and give them direction in the direction you want them to go not necessarily to add to their purpose as one would in a marriage you know i am A part of your story to help you to become all that God has in store for you they are more so manipulators of their own agenda for your life you know and so um Lynn I want to give you an opportunity to um to share as it relates to that question do you remember what the question was um was this the first time was
1: this the one with the the first time that, um, yeah, I, um, honestly, yeah, that had to be the first time when I saw signs of it and I, I still didn't, I didn't notice that, that was the, that was the call. That was the red flag to exit, but it was, um, we had gone to an event, um, with some really prestigious people i guess you would say and i was having a conversation with the woman who was hosting the event and i i I was complimenting her on her wedding ring her wing ring and she was like well you know she was much older i mean like like i know she's not even alive anymore old and she said well you know you can have one of these too when you get married and blah 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 now again i'm 19 (laughs) so i was like oh me no Oh, well, no, I'm not. I'm married. I'm not thinking about marriage right now. Cause I want my marriage or oh, no kid at that time. I'm not, I'm not having either one of them. Right. So I was like, no, I'm not thinking about marriage right now. I have a whole with my life. I got things that's going on. I'm acting and I'm modeling and I'm doing this. So marriage is not blah, blah, blah. Well, what did I say that for? That conversation turned. And I didn't realize it probably until right now that that wasn't even about the conversation would happened. but Say this, and I was all types of names. Now it didn't happen at that time. It happened the next day while we were taking my aunt and a, and her children to church, and he was fussing and upset, you know. But when she got out the car, oh my god, I thought I wasn't gonna make it home alive. I was all type of bitches and stupid, and I would never marry you. Just I was everything, everything because I said I did to Get married, and I'm having this conversation with this woman. So, the ride home from 91st in Stony Island to 40 in Champlain was horrible. <laughs> Going through alleys, zooming through alleys, bitch. I should kill you, I should get you out, kill you in this alley right now, throw your ass in the garbage can. I'm on the passenger side. I'm not, I'm like, well, Yolanda, I wasn't saying a word, because at first I was like, but what, what, what are you talking about? I just said, shut up, for, shut up, bitch, fuck I'm on that passenger side, like, Lord Jesus, please let me get home, God, please, please, God, please don't let him hear me, God, please let me get home, don't let him kill, him. don't let him crash this car, Lord, because he was driving recklessly,
0: and I finally
1: got home, Um, let me decline this, I, I, they're calling me don't call me right now people I finally made it home but when I made it home everything that he bought for me he took a knife and cut it up one shoe throwing it out the window underwear throwing it out the window clothes throwing it through everything the shoe everything out the window and I'm sitting there like did you really just cut up all this stuff please don't cut up them Jordans though (laughs) but anyway so He cut up all, that was my only first pair of Jordans. I didn't even wear gym shoes then, but it was like, if I had some Jordans right now today, but anyway, yeah, see the stuff. And I immediately, now this is at my parents' house and he was staying with my parents at the time, my parents and my brother. I lived with my, down the street with my grandmother, which was like two blocks down. I couldn't wait to get there. He didn't, he didn't hit me, but he, Pulled on me, you know. It was the aggressiveness with the pulling. You know, you know how your parents chastise you. I felt like I was being chastised by my boyfriend. But this is what my mama do to me, used to do to me. Right. So now in my head, I'm feeling like I, 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 it made me go back into that a child. Mm-hmm. I'm not a child. I'm 19. I'm a woman trying to come into myself. <laughs> you just took that away. From me a little bit of that away from me but then you came back 24 hours later you know two days later and you apologize i'm sorry with the gifts you know i didn't mean to let me let me make it right and that's lolita that's how it starts it's the sign is the is the form of abuse and then it's the apology after and that's how it starts because we yolanda and i and so many others like us didn't know any better mm-hmm. we didn't know that this was sign we didn't know that this was the flag we didn't know that this was the time when we were supposed to turn around and run as fast as we could without ever turning back instead we became We're, oh, what, what, what is the word I'm looking for? We, we became their, oh, um, you know how it is when you, oh, I can't think of it. When a woman starts doing that, you know, just, just like your mother, uh, nurturers. They're caregivers. They're nurturers. We became that person that's, I can fix it. We became fixers. That's what we become. I can fix it. I'll make it better. Let me help. We became all those that's under that umbrella. That's who we become when we get involved in those situations. So, yes, that's, that's the beginning, and that's, that's how it starts, definitely.
0: Okay, so, yes, ma'am. Lynn, did you see that? When, when that, and in that first encounter, did you, did you deem that as domestic violence? Mm. No. No, no, not at all. Not at all. I, no,
1: because like I said, he didn't, he didn't hit me, but I the, I, I, he scared me. But,
0: go ahead. No, I was just going to say, even with the aggression, you didn't see that. Was that a red flag to you even, if you can recall?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, yes, 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 saying that, yes, yes, it was, it was because it startled me, and it's something that I had never been through before. I had never seen my parents go through it, you know. So, yeah, that it that first encounter did, it did. And I, I did think that, oh, hell no. I can't do this. This man, he, he pulling on me like this? It scared me. So I, I saw it as a, some form of violence, but I didn't see it as domestic violence. No. I, I have to honestly say I, I didn't, I didn't. Okay. No, not, not that incident. I just saw somebody that was very upset and angry. That's all I saw was, was I, I, because remember I said he snapped out when I said that I didn't want to get married. So why are you so upset? Because I said it wasn't like that. So I'm explaining myself. Right. So I didn't say, I just saw somebody that was very upset at the fact that I didn't want to get married okay nigga I'll marry I mean okay man <laughs> I'll marry you one day but it's not great right sorry but yeah oh, I didn't see it as domestic violence
0: no okay <laughs> and, yeah. and so Yolanda so what about you so your first encounter did you see that as uh did you deem that as domestic violence No, I did
2: not think that was domestic violence because, like I said, domestic violence in my, you know, what I what I thought domestic violence was really was, yeah, you know what? I didn't know really. I'm, I'm gonna be honest. I really didn't know. I I didn't never take a thought of it because, uh, I remember finding out that he he only did it because he's seen this. This is what a pattern, what he saw. And um, when he saw his dad do us to his mom, his mom, when I even brought it up, they thought it was like, it's nothing. We do this. They come from the South. So the people, the Southerners, they could do that. And it's like nothing to them. They shut up under the rug like it never existed. So because I was not ever educated on it and it never watched it growing up and never seemed like, what is that? What are they doing at? So I didn't never give it a thought. I just knew that I didn't like the what I was going through, but yeah. I never thought it was nothing. You know, I didn't. So you can easily dismiss something. Mm-hmm. And you can also just shove it up under the rug like it doesn't exist because you wanted to that just be something uh that just happened and i'm moving forward so that's just how it was with me Mm -hmm.
0: so you chose to treat it as an isolated situation and you just wanted to forget about it yeah Mm -hmm. yeah I, i did at the time
2: um because it wasn't consistent no it, it was more than it should have been, because it not only just was the the hitting, the pulling the hair, he started throwing things at me, and then started, you know, gaslighting. Oh, what's wrong with you? You making this up? I didn't do this to you. Why are you crying? Uh, I ain't do nothing to you, and stuff like that. So he's trying to make you feel like you really crazy when you're not. So it it, it goes a long way, because it's not just, them just physically looking at, the, I mean, this man could look at me like if looks can kill, I was dead. So, what? you know, it, it was, it was a lot of mental and emotional, it was some verbal, it, it was more than just, it was more, a lot more.
0: Okay, so, um, so when I'm thinking about this type of behavior, I, I grew up, Uh, seeing a lot of domestic violence and it wasn't just with my family but it was even with my friends and so for me I remember the first time uh, my boyfriend he slapped me because I didn't want to be his girlfriend anymore and I remember just telling him you better not ever put your hands on me no more I don't ever want to have nothing else to do with you. And I was done. I was done. At 13 Mm -hmm. years old, I was done. I'm like, you don't Uh need to put your hands on me again because I grew up with this and that was something I wanted to reject. I wanted to push that lifestyle as far Mm -hmm. away from myself as I possibly could because I wasn't going to be your punching bag. And so for me, yeah. even as a woman, I yeah. still struggle with uh, PTSD because of some of the things that I've seen. And even today, if somebody is expressing something that is like super violent, I told you when I opened up One Eyewitness, that is that Yolanda's is- book. When When I opened up the book, I opened the book to the page where the pictures were of your situation and i quickly shut it i was like oh i can't do this mm-hmm. i can't do this so i could not do it in that moment for whatever yeah. reason it was just very shocking to me and It mm-hmm. did. Yeah. i mean it just did and so um so right. um, why why was the authority yes. never a part of these dynamics why did you never reach out for help were you afraid that more hurt would or harm would come to you what what was it why did you not think to call the the police
2: oh well i did i did call the police i called the police maybe a couple of times but because like i said there was no um no um restraining orders. There were no like jail time for it. It was just you take a walk, cool off. It was a cool off moment. So they would tell him to go walk, walk around the block, come back. Then everything was okay. So after they did that, I don't remember him coming back, attacking me or anything to that nature. And then my father got involved. My father came upstairs one day and told him, if you ever, my daughter again. And he had his peacemaker with him. And he told him, don't you ever put your hands on my daughter again. So when he tried to abuse me, he tried to do it where nobody could see it. Nobody, you know, I had, and, and for him to do it in front of my cousins, I can remember we were downstairs and he told me to go back upstairs. And I was like, I just wanted to um, you know, hang out with my family. All I knew is like this. right in front of them I was so embarrassed I was like why would somebody do that to somebody I started hating myself I just didn't know why I was allowing this to happen I was afraid of him I really was afraid of him yeah you know
1: yeah I have to say that again so you, you you start off by being smitten then you think you're in love, then you start off, and then you start becoming the caregiver, and now you're in fear. Now you're trying to figure out how do I get out of this situation. If I call the police and the police come and don't do anything, and he's back on the street, he knows where I live, he knows where I work, he knows my family. Mm-hmm. I'm already being threatened, he's already. Made perfectly clear if i can't have you nobody can nobody will have you i will kill you first before i allow you to be with another man Mm. your hand is over and over again when i finally did um get the police involved and we wasn't together anymore when i finally did get the police involved and 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 i i have to say um yeah i did leave him i did leave him but I did have restraining orders on him as well. But you listen, you, you're, you have the restraining orders on this individual, but then you turn on the news and you're seeing that this woman was killed, coming in her house, blah, 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 by her boyfriend and by her husband. She had a track record of restraining orders on him, but they didn't. That's a piece of paper. That's yeah. not a fit at your door. Walk, walking you home at night or from work making sure you're okay because again the police did not take it so seriously then than they probably do a little bit now more today because they were the ones that was mainly doing it to their own wives
0: oh wow
1: so there was always a pet on the back or a man go off, don't don't worry about it you know she'll be all right after a while you need to just get away and go cool off for a little bit of that and that was the honest to god's truth they were not that the, we just did not have the support mm-hmm. that we needed especially us we just didn't we didn't so it was it was hard and to get your parents and so you have the, you don't have that authorities and then you have your family and your parents but now you're scared for them So it's like, do I tell them I got myself in this situation? I have to figure out how to get myself out of this situation. So that's what it becomes. And then I can tell you how I got out of that situation.
0: Okay. (laughs) Congratulations. Look, I'm glad to hear that. So we, we we're not there yet though. So I wanted to ask (laughs) a question. I want to know, um, have you, have you, have your, Lynn, you only have been in one situation, so was there ever a time where you felt like he wanted to take your life, like a near-death situation? Yes,
1: <laughs> yes, yes, and yes, yes, yes. What did that So, look like? um, that looked, like, I'm sorry. This is just so, um I'm just so grateful that I'm here to be able to talk about it. <clears throat> but to have a gun at your face, at, at, pointed at you, because you didn't cook something right or or and it's not even it's, it's not about you it wasn't about me. it was about the control and the power and for a person to be able to take to put a to put fear into somebody who has a spirit that is very positive and uplifting and loving by everybody body that you come in contact with but you can't seem to do nothing right with this person that's supposed to love you and protect you unconditionally and to have a gun put at your face and have you locked into a room because he was afraid that when i if i left i wasn't gonna come back i i don't i don't know what you you did that to me because you were as mad as somebody else not even at me but to have that happen to you that that wasn't that was one encounter that was yeah that was the encounter and this is to to have your life flash before your very eyes like that but the thing is that I'm a fighter how so i grew up i'm i'm not i' i just wasn't a punk As much as he wanted me to surrender to have all the power and control over me, he couldn't. And that was an issue. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you locked me in this room. Yeah, you you put a gun up to my head. And you told me, don't leave. And you left. But I'm not stupid. I, I wasn't. I was scared. I was afraid. But I knew how to escape. I mean, you lock me in a room, there's a window in a room, and I'm only on the first floor. Right. I'm going to jump. And so I did. So I did. I jumped. And I ran. It was dark. Didn't know where the hell I was running down, running to, running down 103rd Street. But I was running. And I ran to the first house that I saw people sitting on the porch. And those people helped me. Yeah, and that, that was that was my first encounter, and that's when my parents were like, oh, hell no. My mom, I mean, they were there. My mother was, my mother and my father, but my, my mama, <laughs> she a little bitty thing, but that, that mama bear, we talk about that mama bear, that bear is real because she, she came and got her baby, both of them, my mama and my daddy. But yeah, that was the first, I, that, I mean, that was one there was that really chokes me up still because of, of and it chokes me up so much because of what I I see going on today and what I've seen going on over the years yeah. and and the the ones who did not make it mm-hmm. that did not make it so yeah. Thank you I'm sorry
0: that I, I didn't
1: mean to, no <laughs> I, didn't know I was gonna do that.
0: look let me tell you something <laughs> your tears do not ever compromise your strength so it, it is good. That is a, a life-changing experience. And I could only imagine what that feels like. That has never yeah. happened to me. But if when I'm just thinking about it, I can feel your pain. And I'm just sorry that that happened to you. So don't apologize for your tears. Your tears are appropriate. They are appropriate. So give yourself permission to feel. It is okay um thank you lynn for sharing um yolanda um please share
2: okay well i didn't go through a near near fatal uh incident with my first abuser but the last one is what really took the cake, and um, because of him being so charming, so charismatic, he was very loving and caring, so giving, and he made people think that he was that that hero. Mm -hmm. He came to rescue when you needed him. He was a very hardworking man. He was a teacher you know, not teacher, like literally teach, but he would teach people how to do things, get up on that roof, do tarps, and he would teach my sons. And um, basically he was just trying to teach them how to be men. But whatever happened as the, you know, as time went on, there was a dark side to him that I never could have imagined seeing. Um, Sometimes there were times when he would just, shut down. He would not talk to me days at a time. He had threw his alcohol on me before, threw my phone down the alley, uh, called me B word. He grabbed me where my lip had busted and I was embarrassed to tell anybody because I felt that he didn't mean it, you know, in my mind, no, he didn't mean it, you know, he mean it, but in my mind, I, I didn't want to tell nobody that he meant to do that because I just felt like when he grabbed me. It was probably with too much force and my lip would gotten away. you know, just like we always make excuses for bad behaviors and we always say, oh, uh, I, I tripped too hard. I fell, my head hit the cabinet, my eye got black, you know, so we make all these excuses why we don't want to, you know, we don't want to raise no eyebrows to nobody because when people come around and they come around you and they see them with you, you don't want them to get them sad at like, oh, mm, he's abusing you. So you would rather not say anything and you would just keep it quiet so that people won't say anything. But because of, um, I watched as the relationship would go him you know being a little bit more aggressive. He I had to put him out like three times for disrespecting me. Um there was time I was on the phone with one of my line dance sisters. He was really in my face. The girl she she was like, Yogi, you better be careful because he sound like he gonna do something to you. But of course, because he was German, and he didn't look like that type of monster. I was like, girl, he ain't gonna do nothing to me. He loved me. So I, I still kept, you know, dealing with it. And uh, between the times that I put him out from different things, I mean, one day I went out, he um, had these events every year, and me and my girlfriends got in my car, and we went, I mean, it was right up the street, because I lived in Hyde Park. So when I got back I had all top shelf alcohol in the house and everything was like on the counter and everything. When I got back, everything was poured out. And it just felt like, oh, yeah, you just, you got mad at me because I didn't take you, but it was just a female thing. So he mm-hmm. got mad about that and he threw everything, poured everything out. So in and, and my mind, I started laughing because I knew I said, okay, I'm going to put your out because you just really being ignorant, you know, it's just like a kid that, that do something and they want to, they throw a rock and they had their hand, so that's the way he would do things, he would act like he ain't did nothing wrong, and then he'll go lay in the bed like, yeah, I got you, so what I did, I was like, mm, I came in the room, and I was laughing at myself, because I said, I'm gonna put his butt up out of here tomorrow, so you can't never put a person out while they're there, but when they leave, You got all access to get, get, get the going. So when he called me the next day after he was at work and he thought he can get up and he didn't say to me or anything, but he got up and went to work. And when he called me, it was like, are you going to pick me up? I was like, no, and you not coming to this house. Oh, baby, I'm sorry. Natty want to be, I'm sorry. Oh, I love you. You ain't the B word. Uh, Please. I love you. Please forgive me. I won't do it. And all that. Okay, we fall, we fall victim of believing and trusting what they say. So I let him come back. So then another thing, I had to put him out another time. I don't remember what it was, but it, it was a total of three times I put him out. So after before I was gonna put him out again, that's when it started really going down here. He was like drinking more heavily. I did not even know this man was heavily. Drink the way he was. He would eat like a lot of sweets, um, like don't you know cake icing. He would go in the cabinet and eat my whole cake icing, and I didn't recognize that may be a form of somebody's on drugs. I now I know now, but they was like Yolanda, that's when somebody's on drugs. They eat a lot of sweets. So you know he was an engineer on his job, and. On his job, people thought he was that great guy because he never ever even let people think that he was even nothing but a great person. Because like I said, I was his good morning, morning star, his sunshine, boo-boo kitty. You know, I was his everything. And he even told me, you all I have remember telling him no uh-uh, I don't want to be all you have that scary so he was like won't you just quit your job and I end up quitting my job so before um I want to say March 22nd 2016 my son was in the was in his room and uh he came out and he was like mama you need to leave him you need to put him out and I'm like I ain't worried about him he's not gonna do anything to me and um that in within like that next week that same um, two other people one of my girlfriends she was like Yolanda the Holy Spirit told me that you need to you know do something because he's gonna do something to you and I still didn't believe it because he didn't give me I was not a, ever afraid of him but I went through all these channels with him him calling me bees and and calling my ex boyfriend telling him I was having sex with other people and all stuff in his mind. See, all this stuff in his mind. And it was not even happening. He was accusing me of stuff that was not even existing. So I started thinking like, maybe his age, because this man is 11 years older than I am. So I'm thinking that, okay, maybe he's going through Alzheimer's. And I know that he had a lot of issues with his family, um, hurt, past hurt and everything. But after that, he decided that, I guess, he wanted to binge. I believe he wanted to go on the binge. I don't know what had, what made him do this, but I know on March 19th, this was a Friday. We all, I, I got up, he got up and my son got up. Normally it's a routine. I take him to work. And for some reason, he did not even ask me to take him to work. He got paid this day. So I was like, oh, okay, so he didn't me. So it took me, you know, I was taking my time of going to work this day. So I was like, okay, I got time to take Josh to school and I go to work. So by the time it was time for everybody to cut, he never showed up. So there was no call, no show that Friday. There was no call, no show that Saturday. There was no call, no show that Sunday. But he started calling me later on that evening, like about 8 o'clock or seven or eight o'clock that night. I mean, consistently back to back to back, I mean, obsessively. And I just took, turn my phone off. So I knew I was gonna get a call the next day. So I started receiving calls around three o'clock that afternoon and I was getting myself from school. So he asked me, he said, are you on your way home? Are you on home? I was like, no, no, I'm not getting home or whatever. But didn't know that he was already there at the building my son said mama he seen you when you dropped me I did not even know that he was even in the area so as I um went to go I dropped my son off I went to go get something to eat in Hyde Park and he called me again and I I believe he knew that I was gone but he kept I guess he was trying to see if I was gonna lie so I was lying to him, and I was, Miss Lee, I mean, I lied, but I did deceive him, and I uh, told him, no, nah, I ain't gonna be back for a while, but I end up coming back, something told me to park my car around the corner, so I end up parking my car around right around the corner, so I came around, and I end up proceeding to the building, but when I got to the building, I didn't see him, because he was wedged up into the doorway, and once him being wedged up in the doorway, I didn't see him, so by the time I got so close to before the doorway he came out on me and I froze so once I froze I'm like oh my god he caught me so then he was like oh I thought you was gone I was like okay I'm back now so I ended up opening the door he came in behind me because he didn't have any keys to the house so he came in after he came in he started telling me immediately oh the doctor said I was stressed out and then in my mind I'm like I wanted you know I, I still didn't think this man was gonna have any plot or plan anything to me so I'm like yeah right, whatever you know why because your money gone. because I watched the bank account it was like just dwindling away because I didn't touch it I didn't take the money out because I could have took all the money out the bank account and just put it in my account but I didn't do that I was like this is this man's money so I end up just you know I I remember sitting at the the kitchen table we were talking and he asked me and I don't know why I said no but he asked me he said can I take a shower now why would he ask me that can I take a shower and I'm like no like that you know I didn't really didn't mean no so I was like, "No, go on, get your shower and get yourself ready for work for tomorrow." And that's all I remember. Once I did that, um, I want to say about ten o'clock that night, I went to the room, and that's when I seen him. He was sound asleep. So I came back out the room. I went into my bedroom, I mean into the living room, and I watched TV until I want to say like twelve o'clock, twelve between twelve and twelve thirty in in the morning. So I knew it was time for me to you know, wind it down. It's time I was tired, it's time to go to bed. And the next thing I know that I did go to bed, but I didn't wake up. I didn't wake up the same way I went to sleep. I woke up to someone that I didn't even recognize. I woke up to a hammer brutally beating me and leaving me to die in my own bed. I couldn't imagine the person that I trusted with my life. Someone that was good morning, morning star. Good morning, you my sunshine. You my everything. But someone to take a hammer and to just attack me the way he did. He crushed my skull. All of my bones and my facial side on the left side are broken and shattered. That a lot that's why i don't have my left eye anymore you know because the 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 damage that was done i had multiple surgeries after surgeries this is you're looking at 13 surgeries later because of grace and mercy i am here and my son and if it wasn't for my son i would not be here today but but i thank god for great and i want to share with people to let them know that you domestic violence does not have a look you don't have to look away to be affected by domestic violence it's the after a of what the devastation how it not only affects you it affects everyone your fam, your friends your family and your loved ones my son had to witness this not only did he have post-traumatic stress I dealt with post-traumatic stress I dealt with waking up shaking waking up thinking somebody's always beating me and every time I go to sleep I will wake up like a boom and I will be shaking I'll be biting my tongue all these things and then my gonna start having seizures behind it so it is so so important for us to get out before it's too late because we don't see it. We don't see it because we don't believe that the person that we lay around with every day or you around every day that could even hurt you because it don't appear that way to you. It, it may be the writing is already on the wall. We just don't see it. We, we have those blinders on where we just ignore it because we're looking at oh, they're not going to do anything. They love me. And this happening way too often. We are not paying attention to these red flags and warning signs because we choose not to. We think that it's okay. We have to, you know, be able to have a safety plan or get somebody that we can trust to put us in a position where we can get out safe. You know, it, it, it's it's a safety plan. It's, there is help out here. There's so many people that don't want the help because they feel like they're they ashamed, they're embarrassed, they don't want to tell nobody. We'd rather shove it up under the rug like it don't exist. Please, if anybody is going through domestic violence, please pay attention because if it can happen to me, it definitely can happen to anyone. It does not have no age color gender or sexual orientation or anything to that nature man boy girl cousin anybody can be affected by domestic violence so it's important for us to really really be educated knowledge is power don't allow no one to discredit you because because it's not physical Domestic violence is not just physical. It's not just the intimate partner. Domestic violence is a pattern. It's a cycle. It's a cycle of violence. And it's just not just physical. You can be going through the, the mental, emotional, the blaming, the shame, the guilt, all of that. You don't want nobody to know it because you're the only one that's going through it. But you're not. You're not alone. You do have options to get out. Get out safely, please.
0: Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you for sharing Yolanda. Uh, wow. You said, you said a lot. I think that, uh, one of the things that stands out the most is that your son found you like that. And he was the person that helped you to get the help that you needed to save your life. And, um, I, I just I Absolutely. Really cannot even imagine what that experience was like for him, but just that he was capable of doing what was necessary to preserve the life of his mother in light of this person that he had yes. just shared with you that you needed to step back from this relationship. And this man actually carried out this heinous crime on you. And so um, I. Share. I'm
1: sorry. I was saying yes. That's very powerful. Everyone in that same week that has shared that that had had that feeling that had that pre- premonition that something that they they saw what she couldn't see. You know, they were they were the people that was on the outside looking in. Yeah, and they see what we what we couldn't see, and and even how she escaped. How I escaped. I escaped. And I I, I know I'll, I'll say this and then I know I I have to get off and get back to work. But I was six months pregnant when I left him and I, I escaped. And it was, it's, it's funny because your son saved your life. My unborn child, my daughter saved my life. It yes. wasn't even here. Right. So it, it was, it was our kids. I, I tell that story all the time. It was, yeah. it was, it was her that gave me that strength yes must see this to say this is it this yeah. is it somebody's going to die it's going to be me her or him and i'm going to die and i'll be damned from great lose this child i'm carrying right so right. it was just it was just that strength there was that strength And, you know god and and his sister that's a blessing. That was there with me that day. So that was it.
0: Well, I am so, I'm so grateful mm. that <sighs> both of you were able to get away from your abusers alive. Um, Yolanda, you endured a lot um, for the sake of love and love should never hurt. Love should never harm. Love should Absolutely. never do the things that have happened to you all. And so my hope is that someone who is listening will, and, and they find themselves in that place that they will be able to see two amazing women, beautiful women that have been able to make a different decision and change their lives around and, uh, and get away from the, the circumstance. So I want to say thank you to both uh, Yolanda and Lynn. Thank you both for uh, coming on. I do want to ask if you have any last words, any last things that you would like to say to uh, the Navigating Life with Coach Low podcast audience. Yes, um,
2: I just want to let you all know that first of all, Pay attention to the red flags and warning signs. You are not alone. We believe you, and you do have options. Trust your gut instinct. If it doesn't feel good, it doesn't. It's not right. Um, we look at it as that everything is just so cute oh you know just a little simple like you know take that off i don't want you to wear that i only want you to wear that around me those are some red flags you know or nobody else wants you around in the family you know you shouldn't be going out with them they they bad influences on you or they want too much of your time you know those are like running signs and red flags so yes always pay attention Create a code word. It's always important to have a code word because sometimes if you are in immediate danger, someone will at least say, you know what, give you a, they call me because I will say, you know what girl, I need a glass of Kool-Aid. That would be my signal, give me some help. So you always have a code word and you always have a safety plan, but you have to have a safety plan where somebody that is a professional that can help you get out and get out safely. So just love yourself. Stay focused and encourage and celebrate yourself because I celebrate me every day. Thank you for the opportunity.
1: You have thank you. Yourself. Thank you so much. Yes. Yes. Thank you. What about you, Lynn? Yes. Thank you, Yolanda. <clears throat> She's so right about that cold and and we do have colds. Of course, we we're, we're not gonna say them right now but we do have them. Um, I have business cards and on the back of my business card is the 800 number. So I pass my business cards out, even if you're not, hey girl, you need to, you know, so I I have a way of doing things. You need to come get your hair done. Call me, call me. And so, and uh, another thing that before we get off of here, I have a foundation that's called Silent Cries, one word, S-I-L-E-N-T-C-R-I-E-S, Silent Cries, DVD, DVA, Domestic Violence Awareness. Um, and I, in 2016, I founded Silent Cries, and what I do is I put on an actual show. It's a performance, and I have a live forum, so it's a live documentary. And right now, I want to be able to put my documentary on film because so many people in different areas ask me about the documentary. But I tell them that it's a live performance. So now I need to get it out there. And I, what I'm trying to do is to be able to um, have a crew, where I can get sponsors to come out, and maybe some someone can sponsor me to help me get this this film up and running. So because I have it, it's written out and everything, I have my Whole, whole manuscript i just need uh, some backing yeah. and uh yolanda also she has one eyewitness she has her book that she's written in it's, it's, it's a wonderful book so we're out here doing some footwork Yeah. so silent cries is the name yeah. of my documentary and that's her book eyewitness so yes just <laughs> want to call today and thank you so much lolita yes. thank you for we truly, truly appreciate it because October is the Violence Awareness Month. We know it's breast, breast Cancer Awareness Month also, but all we see is pink all day yes. We hardly see any purple, and I am a voice, not a victim. And my voice, I have to be a voice for those who live in fear and for those who are no longer able to speak because they Thank lost you. their lives due to this silent killer
2: absolutely
1: so, but we're voices we're With not voices we're yes. not different.
2: we're thrivers
0: yes and yes. that's, that's yeah. thank you thank you thank you yes. thank you thank you ladies for being voices and not victims thank you for being voice yes. for those who no longer can speak Thank you for saying yes to this opportunity. And I hope and I pray that there will be people to your answer that will come alongside you and sponsor you um, to bring this this silent killer to light. You know, because it is a silent killer. Mm -hmm. And we need to bring more awareness to the forefront And it doesn't just need to happen in October. This is something that people are uh, suffering from on a daily. And so we will continue to do the work Mm -hmm. for our families, for uh, the individual woman, the individual man, the child who is being abused. And so, again, I want to say thank you, ladies. Thank you to the podcast audience. Thank you for your listening and we're going to say good night. Good night, ladies. And thank you so much. Good more oh, thing. One more thing. One more, one more, one more okay. thing. I
1: almost forgot. Okay. <laughs> really, really quick. Yolanda, Yolanda also a girlfriend of ours. Nikki is doing, uh, we will be live on Facebook and, uh, Instagram and what um where's the other one um the uh, Periscope 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 Monday Monday evening at 8 30 we will be eight o'clock we will be going live speaking about this again so I just wanted to put that out there
0: okay so the so it's Monday what date is Monday mm-hmm. what the, 20, the 26, October 26th okay october 26th on Facebook Periscope and Instagram Insta- and in- yes okay mm-hmm. at eight o'clock yes okay all right so yes. you heard it you heard it from the horse's mouth eight o'clock IG Facebook and Periscope you will hear from these ladies again please tune in whose page will they be on what how do who how do they connect to who Lynn
1: my page is Turner Lynn. That's who I am on Facebook. Turner
0: Lynn. So Turner Lynn on Facebook and Yolanda. On-
2: right. I'm, yeah, Yolanda Carter slash cake mix on mine.
0: Okay. Yes.
1: Okay. Um on, on Instagram, I'm it's Silent Cries. So that's my Instagram name.
0: Silent Cries D V A. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Okay. Well, you have it. You heard it. So we hope to see you there on Monday yeah. night at eight p.m. And again, yeah. we yes. are thankful for everybody involved. Thank you, ladies, and thank you to the Navigating Life. You're welcome. Thank you. You're welcome, y'all. Yeah. Thank, you thank you so much. Good night. Bye. <laughs> Bye. You're Bye welcome. Good night.